So if you've got your Bibles tonight, open it up to the book of Exodus, chapter number 34. Okay? Exodus chapter number 34. Uh, one thing I've figured out is, uh, you know, I, our society today, uh, uh, listen, we, we have no idea who God is. Uh, and I'll tell you, not only does our society have no idea who God is, a lot of churches today have no idea who God is. Uh, a lot of Christians today have no idea who God truly is. Know about the character of God. Know, know about how he works and who he is. Uh, I want you to understand tonight that God, uh, uh, remember, the, the God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, the same God, you know, uh, in Genesis 1-1 who spoke the world into existence. It's the same God that's on the throne tonight, all right? Uh, he hasn't changed the way he thinks. Uh, he hasn't changed his ways. He hasn't changed his word. He hasn't changed the way he does things. He hasn't changed the way that he thinks about sin. God does not change with society no matter how sinful that society may get. Uh, uh, but, but listen, uh, people really have no clue about God. You know, the reason why is because uh, we have decided to turn God into someone who is acceptable with whatever we do. And so what we do is, is and, and, and by doing that, uh, we create a God who is okay with our sin. And if the Bible contradicts what we think about our sin, we'll figure out some way to manipulate the Scripture to agree with what I think. I, 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 I've said this before. I, as a matter of fact, I find myself saying this to my Sunday school class a lot lately. I've I, I figured out that even most Christians truly don't want the will of God for their life. We, 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 with our lip service, Mike, say that we do, but we don't want to think like God. We just want God to think like us. And you understand, so what we do is we, is we create a different God altogether. And what you'll find out is the God that you created looks a lot like you. And you make yourself into a God. Okay? Uh, uh, listen, we, we, th that is the reason why our society, our ungodly society finds itself in such a position that it is today. Because we've made ourselves a God. Listen, guys, I'm here to tell you, listen, Romans 1 is being portrayed out before our very eyes every single day. We have turned the creation, we have worshipped the creation and not the creator. What I say goes, and if God don't like it, well, guess what? I'll just change God into being like me. I, I, I'm going to tell you, there, there are some things that I'm seeing that's happening every day with our country that absolutely turns my stomach and absolutely makes me sick. And I can only imagine what God the Father thinks when our ungodly president will put a stinking LBTGTQABCDEFG flag hanging from the White House lawn. God help us. That's ungodly. Yeah, I saw his social media post with a picture of that flag up there, putting it on equal standing with as it drags down the old uh, uh, star of the old red, white, and blue, the American flag, by hanging that mess next to it. Then he puts a post on, on his social media, America, a country full of pride. Pride cometh before what? destruction. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I find myself sick. If I see another pride something, I'm going to vomit. 
I can only imagine what God the Father thinks about it. My old granddaddy, Brother Terry, he, he, he used to say it like this from the pulpit. He'd say, I'm going to tell you right now, son, that just stinks in the nostrils of God. But see, what we've done is we've created a, a, a different God from the God of the Bible altogether. Now, tonight I, I want to talk to you about a characteristic, a specific characteristic of God. And it's a specific characteristic that most people uh, would not describe God as having, okay? So let's look at Exodus chapter uh, uh, number 34, and I want to begin in kind of in verse number 6, so we can just kind of paint the picture of what's happened here. In Exodus chapter number 34, listen, this is the second giving of the law to Moses, okay? Y'all, everybody say, everybody, y'all know who Moses is, right? Not Charlton Heston, not that Moses, okay? But you understand that God appeared to Moses, the Bible says, on the backside of the wilderness. Oh, Moses is walking, through, oh, oh, Moses is walking back there and he sees a, bu a, a bush that's on fire but is not uh, being consumed by the fire. And the Bible says he walks up to that bush and the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him inside that bush. By the way, if you need to know that was the Lord Jesus Christ there appearing to Moses and telling him to go get his people out from Egypt. And he says, and then Moses asked God, he says, who shall I tell them? Send me to go and get them. And he says, and God said, you tell them the I am that I am sent you. Where we get uh, the Hebrew word Yahweh, right? Uh, where we get the word Jehovah. That is the first time that we find that in Scripture. The eternal, self-existent God. The I am. God called himself a sentence. Okay, and now we find that, so Moses has went, he's gotten the people out. They've crossed the Red Sea. He's delivered them. Pharaoh's been swallowed up. They get out in the wilderness. God tells Moses to go up on a mount, and God gave him the law. God's finger appeared and wrote it out, and Moses took the law and came down off the mountain, and what did he find? They were worshiping an idol. Y'all know what you're talking about? Moses gets mad. I don't blame him. I'd have got mad too. Moses throws down the tablets and breaks the tablets of God, right? Well, now we have here in Exodus chapter number 4, the second giving of the law. Moses goes back up on the mount, and God appears to him again and gives him the law a second time, okay? Verse number 6, and the Lord, by the way, the Lord there is Jehovah again. So, the I am, you could say it like this, and the I am passed before him, the same one who saw him in the fire, who, or, or, or who was before him in the fire, and proclaimed the Lord, once again, the I am, the Lord, the Lord God. He's saying, Jehovah, Jehovah, he declares himself two times. Merciful. And listen, 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 listen. the Bible says that, that he, the Lord passed before him, he says, he proclaimed. So God tells him who he is, then he tells him a little bit about himself. You got me? He says, I am. I am the I am. He says, I am merciful. Ain't God merciful tonight? Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Aren't you glad that he had mercy on you, a sinner, and didn't give you what you deserve? Amen. I'm thankful for the mercy of God tonight. He says, and gracious. Don't we serve a gracious God tonight who's full of grace? Amen. Thank God. Listen, he gives me things I don't deserve. God is, we serve a God of grace. He says, he's long-suffering. Thanks 
be unto God. He's long-suffering. I'm going to tell you, I I believe uh, many of us, if it wasn't for the New Testament, we wouldn't know that Lot's up there with the Lord. And I believe he's probably looking down on America right now, and he's kind of looking at the Lord and going, hey, God, God, I mean, I know what you did to us down there in Sodom. I mean, don't you? Thank God he's long-suffering. I'm here to tell you how I think about it, though. You, you, listen, I, I want to, y'all remember, the Bible says that the Lord appeared unto Abraham. By the way, the angel of the Lord there that appeared unto Abraham, that's Jesus again, appears unto Abraham. And y'all remember when Abraham, who says he was a friend of God, sort of interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all, y'all remember? He said, God, if you, if you can find 40. He said, I... Sorry, Abraham, I can't find 40. Can you find 30? Can you find 20? Then we got down where he just agreed to save the family of Abraham, Lot and his family. Listen, guys, I, I believe we live in a country today that uh, we could all say is probably due the judgment of God. Okay? Uh, I want you to understand. Listen, I love this country. I want you to understand that. But uh, I, can, can I say... I, Hope if the Lord looks down, I hope he don't have to look no farther than Hillcrest to say, I, I can find 40 right there. So that country is worth saving. I can find 20 down there. They're sold out. They're telling a lost world. All right. But we see, but I'm glad I serve a God who's long-suffering. I was says, and he's abundant in goodness. Didn't we just sing about that? All my life he has been faithful. All my life. Thank God he's faithful when I'm unfaithful. Amen. Thank, listen, I'm thankful that he loves me when I'm unlovable. I'm thankful he is so, he's so, so good. And he says, and he's, and the Bible says, and truth. And truth. So this is, so you're kind of painting a picture here. God described it. Then I want you to skip down now to verse number 14. And he says, for thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord. By the way, the Lord there is once again referring to himself as Jehovah. For Jehovah, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Tonight I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about the jealous God. Heavenly Father, God, how I need you tonight. God, you, put, you touched my poor stammering lips, God. Tonight I'm ignorant and unworthy, and God, how I need you, Lord. God, please touch me, give me liberty to preach God's word and let your holy presence fill this house tonight. How we need you, in your name we pray, amen. You know, jealousy is not exactly a characteristic that most people would attribute to God. You know, most people, uh, uh, when they think about jealousy, it's really nothing good that comes to their mind, is it? You might think about a jealous boyfriend or a jealous girlfriend, about that that green-eyed monster that destroys relationships and friendships and causes issues and problems between husbands and wife and boyfriends and girlfriends and all sorts of things like that. You You probably wouldn't think of that as being a good attribute. You know, but I'm going to tell you, I, 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 as oftentimes, you know, I, I've heard a lot of preachers, you know, they get to describing God and they get carried away talking about the love of God. He's long-suffering, amen, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's, I, most of them don't throw in there, and he's jealous. 
That's not one of the descriptions that normally flies in there. Why? Because the direct connotation of that doesn't, you know, we, we would think might be sinful. But I want you to understand that when thinking about this attribute of God, we cannot forget his other attributes, his holiness, his perfection, his righteousness. And because God is perfect, because God is holy, because he is righteous, there is a righteous jealousy. But you know what I find amazing is in verse number 14, it says, he says, my name is Jealous. This, he declares this right after declaring his name as Jehovah. There are several references to this in Scripture, not just in the book of Exodus, chapter number 34. It is constantly presented as his motive to action, whether that motive is to, is, is, a, is jealousy, uh, 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 gives him a motive for his wrath or for his mercy. Exodus chapter 39, verse number 25, he says, he says, I will be jealous for my holy name. Zechariah chapter 1, verse number 14, he says, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Listen, I want you to understand something. Listen, God is protective over his holiness. Not only is he protective over his holiness, but he's protective over those that he loves. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Uh, Verse number 22, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, do we provoke God to jealousy? There he's talking about the people uh, uh, who, who come before the Lord's table unworthily and saying that by doing that, we provoke God to jealousy or to anger because God is protective over his holiness. By the way, can I say this? And we should be protective over the holiness of God as well. And over the things that God declares holy, we should be protective over those things. Uh, You know, I think that we have to remember that, uh, um, you know, oftentimes when we think about these attributes of God, we can only contribute them in the way in a human, from a human perspective. First thing that I want to talk to you about is the disposition of God's jealousy. How can jealousy be a virtue for God but be a vice for humans? We often, but I want you to understand, we often in the scripture, okay, guys, listen, I'm going to preach to you tonight, but I'm going to be kind of teachy at moments as well, okay? We, 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 we often in the scripture see characteristics of God or descriptions of God drawn from our human lives, right? For example, the scripture might talk about the hand of God or the arms of God, or the finger of God, or the hearing of God, or the seeing of God. But, and you really, why does the Bible do this? Because the Bible says that God is a spirit, right? And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus says that no man hath seen God at any time. Matter of fact, uh, uh, we, matter of fact when, 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 when Thomas said to show us the Father, Jesus looked at Thomas and says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father, but the Bible says that God is a spirit. So really, God the Father doesn't have eyeballs or arms. But the Bible talks about him. Why? Because you understand us in our finite little minds. Can you all agree with me? It's kind of hard, kind of hard to wrap our mind around God. Understatement of the century, right? How he works. Listen, a complete all-knowing, 
all-powerful, ever-present God. There ain't nothing about much of that I understand other than I trust it because God's Word says it. Right? So oftentimes when God is describing himself, he gives himself these humanistic characteristics as an accurate medium that we might have to understand him. Understand this, guys. Adam was made in the image of God, but God was not made in the image of Adam. So none of our limitations apply. So none of my limitations or my sinfulness apply to God. You understand that? So listen, when the the Scripture talks about the love of God, God's love is perfect. Even though he's talking about love, when I think about love, I can't help but think about it from a human perspective. But you understand my love is nothing like God's. His is much better than mine. Listen, um, God's love never leads him to do foolish things. God's love never leads him to be impulsive or to do immoral actions in the way that it does us. I'm going to tell you, if there's one thing, listen, you want to talk about something that'll, I mean, I've seen it too many times. Oh my goodness, let the love bug bite somebody and you might as well throw the scripture out the window. Listen, I've seen, listen, many a single man or many of a single woman Finally, listen, finally meet somebody and they can be the godliest person you ever met beforehand. But when they meet that person, man, temptation is just too strong and love will make you do some real stupid things. But you understand God isn't that way. God, listen, uh, the, the love of God doesn't make God make, doesn't make God make irrational or foolish decisions because his love is perfect. God's wrath, the same way with God's wrath or the anger of God, it is also perfect. It's never fickle. It's never volatile. It's never erratic or self-indulgent. You ever, how many of you have ever gotten mad about something and done something you shouldn't have done? Hey, I'll, I'll raise them both. Guys, you ever got that weed eater that wouldn't start? Woo! I remember one time, y'all, I was in my garage, I had this old weed eater, and I'd... For the last time, pump, 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 choke, choke, no choke, half choke, middle choke, off choke, yes, off choke. I grabbed that sucker like a baseball bat, boom, let that sucker go. I felt great for 10 seconds. But y'all, guys, y'all can laugh because you've done it. Ladies, it may not have been the weed eater, it might have been. But y'all can relate. Why? Because sometimes, ever been have somebody that gets you in a fit of anger and you say something that you shouldn't have said? Sometimes your mouth outruns yourself and it just bloop them flying out. Whoop, shouldn't have said that. And listen, in a fit of emotion or rage, listen, God's not that way. God's anger is never ignited and causes him to do something immoral or wrong. Man's jealousy, same way with our jealousy. Our jealousy is full of pride. It's full of envy. It's full of spite. Listen, God is never described as envious. Who does God have to be envious over? He's perfect. Okay? There are two kinds of jealousy. You know, there's one, as I'm going to call it, a prideful jealousy. Why? Because this jealousy is rooted in pride. 
place of pride. It's rooted in a place of envy. Rooted in a place of what we would call covetousness in the King James. You know, in other words, this. This is a pride where I want what you got. Sometimes, you know, I, I drive by Brownlee swimming pool when I get a little envious sometimes. <laughs> right? Hey, hey, sometimes you drive by that buddy that just bought that new pickup truck. You're a little envious sometimes. Right? You, 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 you uh, find that friend who's, who's just gotten that new promotion at work. Get a little envious. But you understand that ultimately that comes from a place of I want what you, I deserve what you have more than you do. That's what you're saying. Would you believe of all places that there's pride in the church house? You know there's pride among preachers? Brother Terry, I'd never believe it. Preachers who are jealous over one another's ministries. Preachers who are jealous over each other because of an opportunity that this one got that they feel like I should have gotten. By the way, I, I'll, I'll stop right there and I want to say how grateful I am for the group of men that God has allowed to fill this pulpit over the last several months and how much we cheer on one another and how nobody wants to see me. I want to see one of them boys shuck the corn and preach the paint off the walls more than anybody. I want to see God move. So I'm thankful we don't have that here. But I'm going to tell you, it happened. Uh, you, ever seen a, you ever seen a gospel singer jealous of another gospel singer? Oh, I have. I ain't got time to divide all that up. We just need to move on. Listen, we see churches jealous of other churches, parents jealous of other parents. Little Johnny got more playing time than my son did. I'm going to talk to the coach afterwards and bless God lose my Christianity while I do it. But it's worth it because how dare you talk about little Timmy. So listen, what, listen uh, someone getting the attention that we feel like we deserve. That's just the second solo she has sung since I've gotten to sing. Don't we know? That's my song. May or may not have heard that come off somebody's lips before. But by the way, but let, but let me tell you something. Listen to me. From the pulpit to the back door, from whoever God calls as the pastor of this church to the nursery worker, God loves every single one of us the same. God doesn't think any more highly of me than he does of you because I'm up here and this is the job that he's called me to do. So we have prideful jealousy. Proverbs 27.4 says, Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before envy or jealousy? But there's a second kind of jealousy. And this kind of jealousy is a little bit more related to the kind of jealousy that God has. I'm going to call it passionate Jealousy, or we had prideful jealousy. This is passionate jealousy, a passion to protect a love relationship or to avenge it when it was broken. You know, marriage is something that is holy. Can I say that again? Marriage is something that is holy. Marriage is something that was created by God to ultimately bring him glory. 
You understand that? It was created by him. It wasn't created by the United States of America. It wasn't created by the state of Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Alabama, California. It doesn't matter. God declared it, and he, by the way, and he is the one who joins you together. And it is something joined together by God that should be protected. You know that? The Bible says for the marriage bed to remain undefiled. You're to protect it. You know, um, April the 20th, me and Miss Amanda back there celebrated 21 years of marriage. I know we got married. I was 10 years old. I wasn't much older than that, really. Uh, uh, me and Amanda were high school sweethearts. Met when she was a junior in high school and I was a senior in high school. Got married. I, I, I asked her to marry me when I was 19 years old. I was a kid. Kid. And I mean, thought I knew it. Didn't know jack squat. <laughs> Didn't know jack squat. But listen, I, I, I'm, uh, a lot of people have asked me, you know, Travis, would you do it any different? Absolutely not. There's no doubt in my mind. As much as, I'm, as much as I've been called to the ministry and as much as I'm a born-again child of God, God created that woman for me. And, you know, I remember, listen, y'all, I remember I was 19. I bought this little engagement ring. I didn't have them. I had to borrow the money. I went to Friedman's Jewelers over there and led me next to the Walmart. Y'all remember, remember that little jewelry store when it was there? I had to borrow the money from them. I made payments on that ring forever. Little, 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 tiny, little diamond ring was all I could, all I could afford on my little ten dollar an hour job that that I that, that I had at the time, and I'll never forget that day on a Sunday afternoon, when Sam Patton was laying in there taking a nap, and I decided I was gonna come in there and let him know I was gonna marry his baby girl. <laughs> I walked in there, I eased in there, and, you know, but I, I I did the honorable thing. I was gonna ask her daddy if it was all right that I married his daughter. I go in there, I mumbled a few words. You know, I'm a little feller, Sam's a big old boy, you know. And I just, I just handed him that ring. He looked at it. He goes, well, I don't reckon there's much I can do about it. I reckon it's all right. <laughs> hey, that was, hey, that was good enough for me. I didn't need much, I didn't need much, much, much more than that. April the 20th, 2002. And uh, at Cedar Creek Baptist Church, me and my wife stood before God, that man of God and her family, and vowed one to another, in sickness or in health, as long as we both shall live, till death doeth part. And we said, I do. The Bible says that what God hath joined together, let no man tear asunder. Why? Because you understand that marriage is a covenant between me and her and God. God hath joined us together. And since then, I'm going to tell you, marriage ain't always easy, is it? We've had some intense moments of fellowship, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right? We, some of y'all engaged, y'all going to find out. Y'all... Y'all going to find out. Uh, God's blessed us with two boys. Both of them bigger than me now. Y'all see them goobers running around here all the time. 
I'm going to tell you, and, and we've built a life together. We've made it through trial and circumstance, trusting in God. God joined our hearts and joined our lives. And we've been through hard times and good times, sickness, health, uh, passing of grandparents and, and, you know, and my family and things have gone on, church heartaches and callings into the ministries and, and, and we've traveled up and down the roads together and sang the gospel and done all these things. And, and I'm going to tell you, listen, we've, we've built a life. I mean, I, I really believe, I love that woman more than anything in this world. I'm here to tell you, some old dirty dog tried to come me and her, between me and her. We're going to have a problem. You got me? Listen, and if any of you men sitting in here got half a heart, y'all know what I'm talking about. A little something riled up in you, some American. Let's go over there and start, you know, start looking eyes. Uh uh. Uh-uh, listen, we don't work too hard at this thing for you to come in here and try to mess this up what God's put together. Me and you're going to have a problem. And I'm going to tell you, that old dude's going to, listen, I ain't a big dude, six foot tall, 180 pounds, and he's going to get every ounce. You understand what I'm telling you? And if I ain't big enough, I got two teenage boys that are bigger than me, and all three of us going to lay one on him. And if that ain't enough, I'm going to tell you, I got a ball bat and a Smith & Wesson. That'll help me. Can I get an amen right there? Y'all know what I'm talking about, guys? Come on now. Hey, and you ladies ain't no different. I've seen some of you. Is Don't you let some gal come up on your man. Uh-uh. <laughs> Y'all have weaves flying, fingernails come flying out everywhere, jewelry, earrings flying all over the place. Y'all ain't no better than men. Don't you be coming after my man. Why? Because how dare, you understand, listen. Listen, none of y'all brings a jealousy up in you, doesn't it? So how do you think it makes God feel? Life he's built with you. He gave himself for you. Sent his only, his, he sent his only begotten son to take yours, to pay your sin debt. He's loved you with an unstoppable love. Listen, he saved you and he's made a covenant between you and him. And listen, and, and listen, he, and he's, and listen, and, and he's tried his best to love you and grow you and mature you. He's adopted you. He's justified you. He made an atonement for your sins. He's called you a son or a daughter. He's done everything for you. He's blessed you. He's given you a church home. Listen, he's, he, he's put every single one of you in God's house where you hear the word preached. He's blessed us far, far beyond what we deserve. But yet how many times have we ran out on God? for some spiritual, uh, for some other God. For something that might entice, for something that, might we, that we might think looks a little better. You believe that makes God a little angry? Imagine how you'd feel if, you'd, if the one that you had gave, gave everything for Cheated on you, somebody else. You understand in God's word, we see that idol worship and all compromising relations with idolaters to God was disobedient and it was unfaithful. You know, in God, in the Old Testament especially, he saw this as spiritual adultery. Provoking him to jealousy and to vengeance. 
Turn to Ezekiel chapter number 6. I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter number 16. Quickly, I'm out of time. Quickly, Ezekiel chapter number 16. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to read this straight from God's word. And I'm going to tell you, and you'll see by the language that God uses here, he don't pull no punches. See, we've got a few young folk in here. But God don't pull no punches when he's talking about the nation of Israel and what he thinks about their idolatry to going and following other gods, considering everything that God had done for Israel. And by the way, we're no better. We're no better. It's easy for us to point the finger at Israel and talk about how unfaithful that they, that they were throughout the Old Testament, but we're, but we're no better. We're just as disobedient. Ezekiel chapter number 16 and verse number 28. That's what the Bible says. Thou hast played the whore. Also with the Assyrians, because thou wast unsatiable. Yea, thou hast played the harlot with them, and yet couldst not be satisfied. Thou hast moreover multiplied thy fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea, and yet thou wast not satisfied herewith. He said, you did it one place, and then when that didn't satisfy you, you went somewhere else and you did it again. Oh, me. Look at verse 30. How weak is thine heart, saith the Lord God. Seeing thou doest all these things, the work of, of an imperious, whorish woman, and that thou buildest thine eminent place in the head of every way, makest thine high place in every street, and hast not been as an harlot in that thou scornest hire, but as a wife that committeth adultery, which doth take strangers instead of her husband. Listen, you understand, guys, that's, that's what God thinks of our sin. That's what God thinks of us as a child of God. By the way, as, as what the book of Ephesians refers to us as the very bride of Christ the book of Revelation says that we are as a bride adorned for her husband, right? One day we'll be presented before Jesus as the husbandman. After everything that God has done for us, how he's provided for us, listen, uh, how he's established a covenant with you, after he died for you, paid your sin debt, gave you a way to heaven, justified you, loved you, cared for you. And what do we do to him? Well... God, I, you know, I'm awfully tired. I'll stay home tonight. God, it is Sunday night. You know, well, you know, this Sunday, I mean, you know, God, I ain't been to the lake one time. God, you know, Lord, Lord, I mean, little Johnny's got to play travel ball. God, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, my job really is calling and it's very important. Lord, I know what your word says, but I'm going to tell you, I just don't understand why it can't be this way. Why can't a woman be a preacher? I know this is the will of God for your life, and God, I know I'm supposed to be praying for your perfect will, and God, I know that's what you say, God, but I really want it this way. This is what I think ought to happen. And God, I... I mean, listen, I know what your word says, and I know, I, I know God, but Lord, I, don't you want me to be happy? I 
We see the jealousy of God. Now we, I want you to see the motivation for his jealousy. I've got to hurry. I'm already late. Ezekiel chapter 39, verse number 25 says this. It says, I am jealous for my holy name. You understand, when we talk about the name of God, in his name is his nature. In his name is his character as Jehovah God, the Lord. You understand that when we're talking about, you know, we sing the songs all the time about the name of God, right? Right? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Right? We sing that one. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? I mean, there's a thousand others if I think here, stand here long enough. Matter of fact, we used to have so many the name of the Lord songs. When I was, to, when, when, when I was sending them to Miss Tammy, she'd be like, which one are you talking about? There's two or three with that same title. I'm like, you know that one that goes like this. We have so many songs. But you understand when we're talking about the name of God, when we talk about stating the, the, the name of God, or there's power in the name of God. Listen, guys, there, there's a lot of people named Jesus and Jesus. You understand? there's not really power in the letters J-E-S-U-S. There's a lot of people named that. Maybe not in America, but in some other countries there are, right? There's no power in what I'm saying is the letters, the word, that particular word. But there's power in who he is. There's power in the very nature of God. There's power, just a little while ago when we read from Exodus chapter number 34, there's power in the goodness and in the mercy and in the gracious and in the long-suffering of God. Listen, there's power. Why? Because he is holy. You must understand when talking about God and the characteristics or the attributes of God, the number one attribute of God is he is holy. That is his number one attribute. Listen, we try to, listen, uh, there's often, listen, in the church world today, many of matter of fact, most people probably think it's God is love. And God is love. But you understand that the love of God is only, it, it is kind of a offshoot of the holiness of God. You understand that, but also every other part of God, every attribute, every characteristic of God is because he is holy, because he is righteous, because he is perfect. Every other characteristic of God extends from his holiness, his love, his justice, his faithfulness, his goodness, his grace, and his wrath. Because he is holy, you understand God must judge sin. If he didn't judge sin, he wouldn't be holy. God will never sweep your sin under the rug. God will never say, no, that's okay. I know I used to believe this way, but now I've changed my mind because, the, you know, well, the world's different and, in the, and the Bible was, you know, to the, and that was 2,000 years ago. So I believe I'm, yeah, well, it's okay. Nope. Not with God. Because he is holy, he is absolutely immutable. He is absolutely unchanging. He is forever the same. His opinions are the same. His word is the same. It does not change. He is holy. Revelations 15, 4 said, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. Why will we worship before thee? Because he is is holy. 
Do you know why Jesus Christ had to die? Because He is holy. And because He's holy, your sin must be judged. Somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to pay the penalty. God just couldn't go, well, it's okay. Just come right on to heaven. No, somebody had to pay. Thanks be unto God that God, listen, that Jesus Christ, the only begotten, said, I'll go and I'll pay the price. And he, through his substitutionary deaths, took your place and took the hell that you deserved. Second Chronicles 20, 21 says, they that dwell should praise the beauty of his holiness. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 3 says, the angels around the throne, what, what do they cry? Holy, holy, holy. Listen, they don't cry love, love, love. We've turned Jesus into like this hippie Jesus, right? He's just okay with everything as long as it's love. Angels cry. 1 Peter 1, 16 says, be ye be holy as I am holy. He is unchanging. His word, his will, his ways are unchanging. Sin that was sin in the Old Testament is still sin in 2023. Marriage is still between one man and one woman. Hey, fornication, sin, out, sex outside of marriage is sin. Still sin. It's fornication. It's under the same category as homosexuality. It is all fornication. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. If you don't, it's sin. Gossip, sin. Sowing discord among the brethren is still sin even in the modern day church. I don't care how right you think you are. Sowing discord among the brethren in God's house is a sin. God didn't change his mind on that. Pride is still a sin. Covetousness is still a sin. Envy is still a sin. But you understand that because of his holiness, he is a judge that must judge sin. But he also is the justifier that redeems. Listen, how would you, listen, what would that say about God if he condemned you but never offered a way of grace? What does that say about him? Is his morality still perfect if he never gave you an opportunity? Is it? You see, that's my biggest problem with the Calvinist. Because they may say that God pre-selected the chosen to be saved, but then that also means that they are saying there were, God, there were some that God chose to never be saved and will never have the opportunity. What does that say? Does that keep God a morally perfect God? If he says you're lost and you have no way to be saved, sorry. Does that make, is God still morally perfect? I would say no. Changes the very character of God. But thank God, I serve a perfect God. Michael, come on, let's go to our invitation. I apologize, I've kind of had to rush here at, at the end. While he's making his way, you know, I, I, one of the most beautiful stories in the Scripture is the Old Testament prophet by the name of Hosea. The Bible says that one day, God told Hosea, you go down and I want you to make you a wife. I want you to find your wife. 
But he just didn't tell him to go anywhere. He said, I want you to go down there and I want you to make your wife out of a prostitute. If you've never read it, I encourage you. The Bible says that the prophet Hosea goes and finds a wife, goes down to the red light district, finds him a wife by the name of Gomer. The Bible says that he brings Gomer to his home and loves her, gives her a home. I'm sure it was something that Gomer had never had. He loves her. They have two children that God blesses them with. And you would think that Hosea would have given Gomer the life that she'd always wanted. The Bible says in the book of Hosea that Gomer ends up going back to her former life. The Bible says that God commands Hosea to go and retrieve Gomer. Bible says that God, that that prophet Hosea goes back in, and listen, the Bible says that he purchased her back. He said, how much would it cost for me to have her? And he paid the cost and took Gomer back home. Listen, much as I'd like to criticize Gomer for that, I've done the same thing. As good as God's been to me, there's been times when I've went back to the world and I've forsaken him in spite of all of the ways that he's loved me. But I'm here to tell you tonight, church, I'm glad there was a Savior who paid the price for me the sin debt that I could not pay. He said, how much for him? And he said, how much for all of them? And he paid the price for them all. Are you here tonight and you don't know him? Let today be the day of salvation. Maybe you're here tonight and you'll say, Travis, I, I've lived in the house with the Father. But unfortunately, I've been like Gomer and I've went and got back in the world and I need to get back in the Father's house. Can I tell you, he loves you. And he's just like that prodigal's father standing there with open arms waiting on the son or the daughter to come home. Oh, he'd invite you home and he'd put a robe around you and put a ring on your finger. He'd say, welcome home, my son, my daughter. Thankful for a God who's long-suffering tonight.